Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. Great, we're gonna go ahead and get started. Thank you for watching this virtual lecture event hosted by the Institute of World Politics. For those of you who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security and international affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and a new doctoral program. We also offer the opportunity to take a single course without having to pay an entire semester's worth of tuition cost. One can also audit such a course at a much less cost. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit iwp.edu. This, this event is part of the Cyber Intelligence Initiative series sponsored by the Institute of World Politics. This evening, we will be hearing from Dr. Joseph Huang. Dr. Huang is a research scholar at the Institute for East Asian Studies at UC Berkeley. Prior to that, he was a professor and program director of the International Master Program in Strategic Studies at the National Defense University in ROC, Taiwan. Dr. Huang has been a visiting fellow with the Freeman Chair in China Studies at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Lately, his research has been focused on the relations between the US, China, and Taiwan, in which he particularly focuses on social media and how its features in cyberspace have political impacts on the relations between the countries. He's an expert in that area and has been invited as a special lecturer by CSIS, ASPI, NATO, GlobalSec, and INSS. Dr. Wong, welcome. The floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Um, I should say good evening, but uh, uh, right now I'm in Taiwan in person, so uh, it's actually the very early morning in Taiwan. Uh, it's so nice to uh, to be here to introduce uh, my research, and uh, uh, as you can see, the title will be Taiwan's Cybersecurity Environment and VS um, China's Cyber Strategy. But um, I would like to start with introducing uh, China's Cyber Strategy and followed by Taiwanese cybersecurity environment, and also take your questions by the end. Uh, so as you can see from the screen, um, I'm doing a research fellow uh, at the School of Policy and Government at George Mason uh, right now, uh, but I do a teaching exchange program in a university in Taiwan, Zhongyuan University this semester. Uh, so uh, in the very beginning, I would like to show you uh, um, which is a, uh, uh, the, lat the latest Chinese uh, strategic report just released by uh, the Chinese government on July 2019. Uh, this report says the PLA strategic support force is actually a new type of combat force for safeguarding national security and an important driver for the growth of new combat capabilities. It comprises supporting force for a battlefield environment, information, communications, information security, and new technology, and so on and so forth, in order to build a strong and modernized strategic support force. So which means um, China or Chinese military is actually see cyberspace as a potential battlefield. And uh, the strategic support force is going to see how to build up this cyberspace, become an actual 
uh, battlefield, and we uh, I will introduce that later. Um, but uh, why um, cyber warfare matters? Uh, this slide shows us uh, there is a case happened in 2010 as multiple errors codes appeared on the computer control system at a uh, American Air Force base in Wyoming. Um, several different missiles has been lost control for 45 minutes. I think that is very nerve wracking 45 minutes period for uh, American military. Um, but apart from that, in, 2000, uh, in 2018, um, there is a governmental study released by GAO analysis of Department of Defense information. Uh, it says nearly all US weapon system vulnerable to attack in cyberspace. But uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, whether or not uh, does China or PLA actually carry out cyber warfare uh, and how? Uh, this is an example talking about zero date attack. As we all know from technical perspective, uh, an IP address of the attack can be traced back to a geographical location. Uh, this, slide, this slide shows us um, there is attack from um, mainland China and traced back to uh, a geographical location as you can see from the screen. Um, The IP address is here, and the trust back to a geographical location is actually in uh, Hubei, Wuhan. Also, uh, there is a program um, released by Chinese government uh, broadcasting system called the CCTV channel number seven. And I just uh, a screenshot a few um, video clips. And as you can see, uh, this is a, uh, a Chinese general talking about how uh, cyber warfare can be conducted and uh, uh, shows us uh, the, uh, um, the world fighting room uh, in terms of cyberspace. Also, um, this screen shows us uh, it's actually a web-based system is talking about how uh, cyber warfare can be conducted. As you can see from this screen, uh, if you can understand Chinese, uh, the button is attack and cancel, and there is a uh, so-called combo box containing uh, the targets or the uh, objects uh, you, you wanted to attack. So you can select and push button attack. So uh, this video somehow shows us how uh, the PLA or how uh, Chinese government is able to conduct cyber attack uh, via this so-called web-based uh, system. But apart from that, uh, the, I think the key issue I wanted to draw your attention is how uh, China sees cyberspace as a uh, battlefield and how China is able to uh, conduct this so-called cyber strategy. Um, in the very beginning, uh, you can see uh, this is a uh, uh, news uh, released from uh, China on August 29th, 2016. Uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping, uh, who also is General Secretary of the Communist Party of China Central Committee and the Chairman of the Central Military Commission, uh, he shakes hands with representatives during an inspection of the offices of the PLA Strategic Support Force. 
uh, on the day. And, uh, uh, but the problem is, uh, what's the cyber units in PLA? Uh, in my research, uh, this is from governmental perspective to see uh, actually cyberspace uh, force or cyber force is so-called the strategic support force is under uh, the unit of Central Military Commission. And uh, uh, under the strategic support force, there are several different cyber units. Uh, as you can see, it's, original, it's originally from so-called PLA General Staff Department, third department. And under this strategic support force, there are several different uh, units or working groups uh, divided into two labels. The first one is bureau label. And uh, in this bureau label contains uh, 12 operational bureaus, also several different working groups. And uh, uh, regarding to uh, these 12 operational bureaus, as, you can, as we all know, uh, after the Chinese military reform, uh, they, the seven regimes has been changed to five theaters. So uh, these 12 operational bureaus has been embedded into these five theaters to become six sites and also 14 offices. It's called the Chu in Chinese and also several different working groups embedded into uh, these so-called five theaters. Uh, there's a feature about uh, Chinese cyber unit as well, is so-called civilian covered. As you can see under, uh, from, this, uh, from this slide, under PLA General Staff Department, uh, there are several different uh, state information leading groups and also the main three uh, different units is uh, from three different locations. The first one is Beijing, the second one is Shanghai, and the third one is in Nanjing. And in Beijing one, uh, in civilian society is called Beijing North Computing Center, uh, but it's actually is PLA 16-61539 military unit. Um, in the Shanghai one, uh, in civilian society is so-called National Information Security Engineering Technology Center, but it's actually a military unit called PLA-863 Working Group. And the Nanjing one is the same. Uh, Tian, I'm sorry, Tianjin one is the same. It's so-called National Information Security Industrial Basis uh, in Wuhan and Chengdu as well. So uh, this uh, cyber unit has been covered by civilian uh, titles. Uh, how about the cyberspace in China? I think um, China build up their cyberspace uh, is able to um, uh, to control for them and also uh, carry out some cyber activities for their uh, purpose. Um, in my research, I found uh, cyber warfare in PLS approach. Um, as you can see, uh, it's actually uh, um, several different cable routes is so-called China's National Telecommunication Network. Uh, it's eight routes from north to south, and eight cable routes from east to west uh, to form this so-called China's cyberspace. Uh, from north to south, as you can see, is from Harbin, Shenyang, and onto uh, Guangzhou, etc., and so on and so forth. And from east to west, uh, the first one is Beijing to Lanzhou, and so on and so forth. Uh, if we uh, go to the map, it's actually following uh, 
by China's railroad system, as you can see uh, from the screen. Uh, so um, this cable system is also uh, optical cable and uh, optical uh, fibers as well. Uh, in total, it's, more, it's, it's nearly uh, several hundreds million kilometers uh, in the length in total. So um, if we look at uh, this map, and you can see the blue one is from uh, east to west, and the red ones is from north to south to form this so-called China's cyberspace. If we look at um, the technical perspective, uh, this slide shows us how this uh, optical cable system uh, in the real geographical location. Uh, there are so many different system, uh, cities has been connected to one another. And not only cable system, but also uh, fibers systems as well. So um, if we turn to uh, cities, uh, this network has been uh, contained for uh, so-called uh, main cities. The first one is Beijing, Guangzhou, Shanghai, and Shenyang. And under these four main cities, there are several different uh, sovereign cities under these four main cities has been connected to another to form uh, this China's cyberspace. But how about when we zoom out from the uh, world uh, scape? Uh, this is the map talking about the world, world submarine cable map in 2019. Uh, even though inside of mainland China, the cable system is so complicated, is so um, broad, uh, but uh, it's actually several, uh, just a few ports connecting to the whole world. Uh, so uh, when China is, is need, uh, when China needs to control the, um, uh, the internet, uh, like this map shows us, it's actually just uh, close the several uh, ports so that uh, the internet will be disconnected to the whole world. So um, that's how Chinese government control the cyberspace. How about the Taiwanese side? Um, I think Taiwan has been a first target for cyber attacks from China, that's for sure. So that's why uh, Taiwanese, uh, Taiwan's cybersecurity environment is so uh, mature and so uh, experienced. Um, but how? I think uh, this map shows us Taiwan has been a bridge uh, between the US side and also the Asian side. So, um, Taiwan is able to uh, connect to um, uh, these two parts uh, in terms of the cable system under the seas. In Taiwan, uh, we have a so-called National Information Communication Security Task Force. Uh, like nowadays, there are many different task forces uh, dealing with the virus situation as well. But this task force is dealing with uh, cybersecurity issues. And as you can see uh, from uh, this organization, organizational chart, um, under the NICST, uh, there are several different groups, like training groups, 
working groups, and also um, developing groups as well. And these eight groups is actually in charge of several different uh, critical information infrastructure. So, um, from the slides, uh, you can see uh, that's so-called joint defensive mechanism containing eight critical information infrastructure. Um, this one is governmental sector. The second one is high-tech science park. And the third one is energy supply system. And the fourth one is water supply system, telecommunication system, transportation system, banking system, and also hospital and emergency rescue system. So these eight uh, information infrastructures has been jointed together in order to form uh, a very unique and efficient defensive mechanism. Um, also, uh, the government published a, uh, a strategic uh, report regarding to national cybersecurity. And there is a concept um, called situation awareness. It's actually inter intelligence-driven cybersecurity. So uh, from a report process group and also security operation center, uh, the governmental emergency response team, the so-called CERT, uh, will be able to um, deal with some cybersecurity issues from um, social security label to national security label. So uh, I think the mechanism and also this situation awareness uh, to form a very um, substantial uh, defensive shield in order to protect uh, attack, cyber attacks from outside of Taiwan. Uh, this slide shows us from technical perspective how Taiwan's cybersecurity environment is able to deepen the depth of defense in cyberspace. Uh, from these slides, uh, you can see there are three different areas. Uh, that's a real governmental sector we needed to protect. So uh, that's the outside of the governmental sector, like some uh, uh, like uh, connecting to um, civil society or to the global networking system. So there are a lot of hackers uh, is in this area. So we build up a so-called honeypots and honeynets in order to lure the, uh, those cyber uh, attackers to attack uh, this virtual uh, system. And uh, so that the the real uh, governmental sector will be protected um, safely. So uh, this is an example to say how uh, Taiwan is going to build up and maintain uh, the cybersecurity system in Taiwan. Uh, in conclusion, uh, I would like to draw your attention about uh, China's claims its sovereignty over the cyberspace through, uh, through a so-called cyber territorialization, 
That's because uh, I argue uh, the cyber sovereignty becomes a strategic guideline of establishing the battleground in cyberspace for China. And uh, in that sense, uh, when cyber sovereignty has been claimed, that will be able to become a very useful justification to cyber warfare for any country who claims cyber sovereignty. So, uh, but other than that, I think uh, apart from claiming cyber sovereignty, I think the most importantly, we needed to understand, uh, we have to share the responsibility to secure uh, this cyberspace. So from Taiwan's perspective, I think uh, we should build up and maintain robust strategic partnerships in cyberspace in order to deter and share uh, the threats and also to increase international security and stability. Uh, that's for today. Uh, I would like to take your questions. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, I somehow cannot see the questions. Should I stop sharing my screen in order to see the the questions. Oh yes, I, I see the questions. Uh, first of all, I have a question from JR talking about um, uh, whether or not the copy of uh, the presentation is available. Uh, there's a question I'd like to uh, respond. Uh, that's from, it's about how does Taiwan counter general uh, PLA unit 61398 uh, to 10 rain type attack model uh, VS first strike cyber in an invasion scenario. Um, I think that uh, that's a very good question uh, because uh, nowadays uh, cyber attacks is very difficult to be identified, uh, not to mention um, uh, some features of cyberspace. So I think we needed to, uh, that's why I proposed a very uh, important idea to form a robust 
inter international partnerships in cyberspace. And uh, uh, because um, nowadays uh, we have uh, no substantial rules in cyberspace, so that that's very difficult to deal with uh, the disputes in cyberspace or even conflicts, if you like. So um, um, in Taiwan, uh, first of all, I think um, we build up a so-called hard shell uh, from theoretical perspective uh, in order to uh, deal with or to against cyber attacks from outside of Taiwan. But on the other hand, I think uh, if we are able to cooperate with other countries and share information of attacks, I think that will be very useful to uh, deal with the disputes in the near future. So um, there are many different scenarios of invasion in cyberspace. Uh, but overall, I think identify who is the attackers officially. I think that's most importantly. Uh, in terms of war theory, how to uh, conduct a so-called counterattack, I think we have to have a justification. So I think um, that's why I argue China uh, is actually to uh, claim their cyber sovereignty over their sovereignty over cyberspace one way or another so that they are able to identify or to uh, offer a, a very useful justification once if they needed to conduct counterattack. So I think from political perspective, we needed to have a understanding of uh, cyber sovereignty. Uh, another attendees um, asked me to talk more about what steps Taiwan is talking is taking to uh, protect uh, its infrastructure from cyber attacks by China. I think more or less I uh, I answered the question. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, but I think uh, there are a lot of details. Uh, we actually uh, published a uh, so-called national cybersecurity strategy, uh, I think it's a year ago. Uh, that's the first one. Uh, so the, uh, in the first one, I would say uh, it contains some uh, explanation and also uh, talking about how uh, Taiwan is to deal with cyber attacks, not only from China, but in general, uh, from governmental organization perspective. Uh, but uh, in terms of technical perspective, I think uh, we uh, combined with several different sectors, such as governmental one, um, military one, and also civilian ones, uh, in order to uh, build up uh, training sector uh, to uh, produce more uh, personnel in this regard in order to um, develop our cyber strategy uh, in terms of uh, security matters. So um, uh, I think it's a, uh, a long-term goal. Uh, so uh, it's not saying uh, we are able to uh, protect our cyberspace right now and uh, uh, but also we have to do better in the future. So um, um, that's pretty much I, uh, I would like to respond to this um, 
question. Um, okay, uh, another question uh, I would like to take is, um, is China's cyber capability integrated into traditional warfare fighting domains such as space or air? The answer simply saying is yes, uh, because as I mentioned in my presentation, as long as there is a connection between traditional warfare and the cyber capability, then that would be the case. For example, because nowadays, as we all know, our traditional weapons, uh, such as um, nuclear weapon or missiles, or even space and air, uh, are all built upon computer systems. So once if those computer systems are intruded by cyber attackers, then that would be the case because uh, the control and the command system are all built upon the computer systems. So that makes the very tight relations or connections between uh, traditional uh, warfares or traditional weapons and uh, um, cyber capabilities. So the answer is yes. Um, okay, uh, there's another question talking about uh, how does China train its cyber force and also where is their knowledge uh, derived? I think that's a very good question because uh, in cyber uh, capability, I would say um, personnel or human capitals is the uh, important resources uh, to increase the cyber capabilities. And in China, overall, I would say they borrow a very old school principle called the people's war. That means because in cyberspace, everyone can be a cyber warrior. So, um, so I think more or less, uh, they train, uh, they train uh, cyber so-called cyber warriors from technical perspectives. But from uh, ideological perspective, I think most importantly, they needed to have uh, not only skillful uh, cyber warriors, but also very loyal. So uh, in terms of how to uh, maintain or make sure those cyber warriors are uh, loyal to the government or to the party. Uh, so um, I did, ideological education becomes a very important component uh, 
uh, as we all know, uh, there are some ideological educational courses or training workshops in uh, university level. So um, those ideology or political um, ideas have, has been uh, indoctrinated into uh, those young people so that one day uh, they are becoming to a cyber warrior, they will be able to uh, royal to their government. Also, um, I think more or less is regarding to Chinese nationalism, because um, uh, as we all know, not only for, uh, apart from a cyber perspective, uh, many things has been uh, normalized uh, as a, uh, from the so-called Chinese uh, mobilized from so-called Chinese nationalism. So I think um, the training uh, we have to see from two different perspectives. Uh, one is from uh, technical perspectives to uh, train uh, the cyber uh, warriors being uh, skillful. Uh, on the other hand, we have to see uh, how they educate uh, these uh, warriors being very uh, loyal. Please allow me to take times um, dealing with, with uh, questions. Okay, uh, there's another question talking about uh, the attribution and the sanction uh, vs non-sanction data collection uh, and how this has been increasing as China and other nations prepare for potential large-scale cyber wars? I think that's also a very good question talking about, um, I think that's regarding to jurisdiction. Uh, as we all know, um, um, China, Chinese government uh, released a lot of so-called cyber laws and in order to uh, form or to argue their sovereignty over cyberspace, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, uh, the section, that's, uh, I think uh, the problem is uh, because we know, we have uh, no any uh, rule of engagement in cyberspace uh, in the international politics. So sometimes uh, when, we, um, well, when we have a cyber attacks in cyberspace, we don't know how to uh, have a counterattack or how to uh, conduct defensive measures. 
the only thing we can do is do such as economic sanctions or uh, something like that. So, um, uh, but I think in China, because they have uh, some cyber laws to provide the government being able to say uh, this data has to be monitored or this, uh, this database or service has to be accessed by the government according to the laws. So it's so-called data localization. Um, so um, um, I think uh, for other nations, um, I would argue we, we uh, more or less, we have to engage to understand and also to um, deal with uh, the sovereignty issues in cyberspace. It's not only to share the ruling powers in cyberspace, but also share the responsibilities uh, to secure the space as well. Uh, another question uh, talking about is cybersecurity and the building up cap uh, capacity to counter cyber threats a, uh, is a priority of uh, the new president in ROC Taiwan, Tsai Ing-wen, as she begins her second terms. Um, according to uh, the speech in her inauguration, I would say today in American time zone, but yesterday in Taiwanese time zone, uh, uh, in her speech is actually indicated uh, cyber security becomes one of important issues for the new government to work on or to develop. So um, uh, no matter uh, the government like it or not, I think cybersecurity becomes a, uh, an, a, very, a very important issue nowadays. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, as long as our traditional uh, weapons uh, are uh, built up on computer systems about uh, their command and control system. Also, uh, as long as uh, our own national information infrastructures uh, are very important and critical, then uh, that would be the case. So, um, so I think uh, uh, thus cybersecurity, I would say, is Taiwan's forte. So, um, we have no choice uh, but to develop our cyber capability uh, in order to generate, I would say, so-called strategic values so that we are able to cooperate with other strategic partners or international allies as well. So I think for sure, uh, the cybersecurity capability is definitely uh, has to be the first priority uh, for the new government. Uh, okay, another question is talking about, does China use the commercial sector in development of its cyber capability? 
the answer simply saying is yes. Uh, that's because uh, in terms of high-tech area, such as uh, cyber tech, I think cyber tech is a uh, so-called dual use. So on the one hand, uh, when we develop uh, cyber capability, uh, we are able to uh, use these uh, techniques into uh, civil society uh, over, uh, like you said, the commercial areas. But on the other hand, the same techniques can be also uh, applied into a military area as well. So uh, in terms of cyber capabilities, it's so easily to be developed at the same time. I mean, from on the one hand, from commercial sector, on the other hand, is from uh, military capabilities uh, perspective. So um, um, that's inevitable. And uh, that's also the idea for China to uh, use the commercial sector uh, in development of its cyber capabilities. Okay. Uh, another question talking about how prepared and hardened is the Taiwanese government's defense response and ability ability uh, when uh, China is and has already, as well as um, um, will most likely continue this type of cyber dominance, territorial seizure, uh, or cyber warfare, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so forth. So um, uh, I think uh, from technical perspective, uh, Taiwan's uh, experiences are uh, very matured. So um, um, I would say um, we have to work more on cooperation, not only uh, between Taiwan and other international actors, but also uh, different sectors inside of Taiwan. Uh, I think um, there's no problem for um, technical issues but uh, we have to work together. That's because uh, in cyberspace, uh, in terms of the future of cyberspace, there are many uh, different issues or unexpected issues we have to deal with. So um, I think I work together and also cooperation and also like uh, uh, sharing information amongst the different sectors that's very important and very uh, vital for um, not only uh, dealing with the cyber attacks, but also um, building up cyber capability uh, in 
defensive matters. I think that that's for sure. Uh, another attendee attendee is asking about uh, whether or not or how uh, China utilizes private or public companies to launch cyber attacks under uh, the guise of military campaigns. Um, like I said, uh, the, those cyber units uh, are covered by civilian organizations. Um, but a problem with that, because um, we, we have to understand that China, Chinese government is so-called one-party system or authoritarian system, um, regime. Um, so uh, even though for those private or public companies are more or less owned by the government. So the government uh, has also some rights to uh, access uh, these private companies according to the cyber laws, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so, of course, uh, as long as China uh, needs, uh, it is they are able to uh, utilize uh, these private companies. But whether or not it's to launch cyber attacks, I think we needed to have more evidence uh, in order to say that. Um, but, uh, what I'm trying to say is the connections between um, those private sectors and the governmental sectors is for sure. Uh, more questions coming, um, bear with me. Uh, there's another question talking about what's, what is the approach to deal with third-party proxy server or proxy um, cyber forces that attack on behalf of POA. I think that that's what I mentioned uh, in my presentation by the end, talking about um, a partnership uh, in cyberspace. Because um, uh, uh, even though we are able to trust back to a geographical location uh, uh, for a cyber attack uh, from technical perspective, but uh, I would say it's also very difficult to accuse or identify uh, the cyber attack uh, to, in order to uh, um, conduct defensive measures. 
or even counterattacks. So uh, not to mention uh, those attacks has been um, carried out through so-called third-party proxy. Um, so um, that's why I uh, also mentioned uh, uh, the concept of cyber territory is very important. That's because um, we have to share the responsibilities in this virtual territory, territoriality uh, in cyberspace. And we have to share uh, the responsibility to secure um, the, uh, the space. So uh, uh, from practical perspective to answer or to respond to your question, uh, I think uh, as long as any attacks are conducted in my uh, cyber territory, I think I have to have the responsibility to uh, deal with the disputes and the attacks. No matter whether uh, the attacks is on behalf of others, uh, so um, that is to say, uh, we all needed to be able to manage the and to secure uh, our own virtual territory in cyberspace. Then um, the disputes will be able to deal with and. Uh, the responsibility will be able to be shared. So I think uh, the concept of cyber territoriality, that is the key point I would like to draw your attention in this regard. Thank you. Okay, uh, another question is from uh, attendees uh, talking about um, are other nearby 
Asian countries seeking technical advice from Taiwan regarding cybersecurity and protection. Um, uh, that's for sure, yes. Um, despite of a political issue um, in the international politics, um, I think Taiwan uh, had some has some cooperations with other country, neighboring countries. Um, so, uh, but I think we needed to have more. And uh, um, uh, imagine if we uh, uh, look at uh, uh, the the pandemic, uh, the virus situation uh, nowadays. I think um, Taiwan has surely uh, a lot of capabilities of dealing with a virus situation in physical world. Uh, but also uh, uh, Taiwan has capability to deal with uh, the virtual virus in uh, virtual cyberspace as well. So um, um, I think um, uh, that's why I uh, mentioned so many times um, we uh, uh, we needed to build up a robust uh, cooperation and also uh, partnerships uh, so uh, we can uh, share information to one another in order to um, to uh, maintain um, this space uh, security. Uh, there's a simple question I, I, I would like to answer. What, what is the popular method Chinese actors use for cyber attacks? I think, I think uh, uh, from a technical perspective, there are some skills uh, regarding to uh, cyber attacks. I think like a, like a DDoS, like a, a APT, um, I think uh, uh, this is the uh, most likely methods uh, Chinese actors use. Uh, I think the key use is uh, more like the tools. There are many tools we can use. But the, uh, but the problem is uh, what's, the, what's the strategic thinkings or ideas behind uh, the tools or behind the thing. Uh, so um, uh, I think 
uh, when we talk about about a cyber uh, stuff, I think um, more or less we have to understand uh, the thinking behind the scene and why and how uh, to use uh, the knife is not to uh, cut the fruits but uh, uh, hurt people. So, um, so um, um, uh, I think that's a certain gap between uh, Chinese strategic thinking and uh, also uh, and Western strategic thinking. So um, my ideas is we have uh, to narrow down the gap and uh, to understand uh, each other better so that uh, uh, we can uh, better to uh, we can deal with the, the disputes in between better. Um, yep. I think it's about time and uh, um, hopefully um, um, the, pre the presentation, my presentation will be um, okay for you guys. And uh, hi, Hannah. Hello. I just wanted to, uh, are you finished with the Q&A portion or? Uh, there are still some, uh, okay. some questions being answered, but, uh, but uh, I don't think we, I, I, I am able to answer all of them. Okay, perfect. Well, I would just like to thank you, Dr. Huang, for joining us today and all of you tuned here on, on Zoom and Facebook. If you're interested in attending other upcoming webinars, supporting IWP or applying to one of our graduate programs, please go to iwp.edu. Again, that is iwp.edu. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Wong. We appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks.